when you're going head to head with Florida State and you lose by a handful of points, it's it's one thing. When you go to Louisville and you let Jack Plummer just absolutely eviscerate your defense, that's a whole other problem. We're going to talk all about what's going on with this team, recap Saturday's bad loss, get into a whole bunch of details on today's Locked On BC. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome. This is Locked on BC. I'm your host, AJ Black. I'm the editor and publisher of Eagle Insider, part of the 247 Network. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Well, it is our Monday episode, our, our post-mortem of an awful loss on Saturday as BC falls to Louisville 56 to 28. And with me to do the autopsy is Mitch Wolf. Mortem is a good way to describe this game because BC was dead before he knew it. Yeah, exactly. So we already did our episode yesterday and I, w- I thought after recording an episode about a blowout that no one would be interested, but just on YouTube alone, we have a thousand listeners, which is like way more than we usually do. So people are apparently interested in listening to what our thoughts are on this game. Uh, so the game starts off uh, Louisville scores on their first seven drives touchdowns over and over and over again. And BC's offense, they come out looking lethargic. They come out uh, and they're not – Thomas Castellanos does not look like the same quarterback that we were expecting. It takes a couple of quarters for him to get things rolling. But by that point, BC is already in the hole so bad that they're not going to come back. As much as the ACC network announcers thought this game was still a close game into the fourth quarter, uh, this game was over by halftime. And, and the defense just could not make stops. And – We'll talk a little bit about some of those big plays, but Mitch, we're now 24 hours removed. Uh, we'll talk about d- d- individual pieces of the game and what your thoughts are, but let's, let's talk about what your, you know, what, what are some of your takeaways from this one? So I tweeted about this earlier and this game doesn't come again. The game doesn't come down to this, but if you look at these three plays and the three plays are Kyra Bashaw not converting that fourth and two when he was, when that's again, that spot was terrible and them reviewing it and upholding. It was crazy. It, that's just a blown call by the refs. And that happens in some games and there's nothing you can do about it. And sometimes you just get bad luck. The ensuing penalty on Kari Johnson on third and 18, and then the J- Jawar Jordan touchdown run. So according to game on paper, which is a great resource for more analytic driven information for games, the most important play of the game by absolute win probability added was that non-conversion bc's win probability went down by 9.9 percent on that play and that was the most significant play of the game now you could argue that it became because louisville was already favored and then they just jumped out to hugely that none of the plays really mattered after and i get that but the next play in terms of most important w, uh, win probability added was the touchdown run which was 8.7 percent added to louisville's win probability 
And then the next most important was the penalty on Johnson, which was 5.4 win probability added for Louisville. So, you know, we talked about the offense and kind of getting off to a bad start and it's their first game on the road. You have a young quarterback. This is his first start on the road. So you say, okay, there might be some hiccups there. And there were, and again, not converting is not his fault. Um, he was a little skittish in terms of passing to start the game. And BC, I think BC generally does a pretty good job of trying to get him into a rhythm early in games with either quick screen passes, with rolling him out and allowing him to hit a more open receiver on the move. He's pretty good at that. So I, I like the way that they design that kind of aspect of the offense. And they had some nice runs on that initial drive. Um, so, you know, I think the offense was doing fine, but then the game just switched so quickly because of the non-conversion, the penalty and the touchdown that the offense was in a hold and they essentially had to throw the run game out by midway through the second quarter, just because they were down by so much. So that really changes how you're going to run your offense. And that's bad, but that in and of itself is the issue is because BC, because of how bad the defense is, this team is just operating on such thin margins of error because if the offense isn't working and let's listen, sometimes the offense is just going to have some mistakes. Like, you know, this isn't a perfect team. This, even the great teams have mistakes and have, you know, one bad drive here or there because the other team, the team on the other side of the football, they have scholarships too. And they have mm-hmm. coaches that are getting paid a lot, but when the offense fails, the defense currently is not equipped. And I, this is, I'm kind of re- reading off my tweet, but the defense is not set up and it's, um, it's talent, it's coaching, it's everything to get stops, and especially when they're committing these stupid penalties. So if the offense isn't having their best day, Louisville can jump out to this crazy big lead, and then that puts the offense behind the eight ball where Castellanos has to put the team on his back. And to his credit, he did. I mean, we were looking at his PFF grade. It was an 89.7 overall, which we are looking back in history. In the Halfley era, that is a top 10 grade among offensive players in a single game, and it's probably top 10 of any players on any side of the ball in a single game. Um, and you know, he only completed 50% of his passes, but there were six drops, which if you look at his adjusted completion percentage, which is where you take drops and throwaways out because it's not really the quarterback's fault. And he's actually making a good decision. His completion percentage goes from 50% up to 20 or sorry, 71.9%. He had five big time throws, which is, you know, which is a long throw down the field for a, in a tight window, big gain five, there's only one turnover worthy play, which was the he tried to hit the whole shot on the right sideline, Joseph Griffin, but didn't get enough air in the ball. And even if you watch the play, when he's on the sideline, he kind of makes a motion with his hand, kind of like making an arcing motion, like he knows I got to get that ball up and higher. So that's one problem with the, with the offense. The other problem is the offensive line. And we've given the offensive line a lot of credit, and they're still infinitely better than where they were last year. But this game, their struggles in pass protection were really exposed. Uh, on 42 dropbacks, Thomas Castellanos was pressured on 24 of them. So he's pressured on over half of his dropbacks, which is a huge increase from where he was, <clears throat> excuse me, for earlier in the rest of the season. He's also sacked five times. And again, two of those, I think he tripped over his offensive lineman's leg. So, and he was rushing, he was going out to scramble. He would have gained yards. So not necessarily on him or the offensive line. That's just, again, bad luck. Um, and if you look at how they got that pressure, so, Castellanos was only blitzed on 19% of his dropbacks, eight of the 42, but he was under pressure for 57.1 of them. So that is an issue where BC's offensive line is only getting rushed by four defenders. And those four defenders are still getting pressure on the quarterback. And that is what you simply cannot have because then the defense, as we saw, they can just sit back and drop, drop seven defenders in coverage. And the quarterback has to 
you know, essentially make something up off schedule because there are very few concepts where the defense is dropping seven, only rushing four, and you can just hit your read downfield for a big game. That's just not really how football is designed these days. And again, give Castellos credit. He was able to make those plays off schedule. Um, but the problem was they were just down by too much by the time it would have any effect on the outcome of the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it's such a bummer that he had such a good game. I mean, like, as you said, his P- PFF score was so high. Like, if if the defense could have just made any stops, we would all we would be talking today is about another Thomas Castellanos masterpiece. Yeah, and, and again, like I'm not sure that the game really like the outcome changes if they have that if they if they get that fourth down. You know, maybe they like do they even score? We don't know. Do they get a field goal? That's that we don't know. But mm-hmm. um, so you know, that's a lot. That there's a lot going into it. But you know, I think that. The offense, and again, I, when I was watching, rewatching the game, I'm like, there's a lot of really good play calls in here. Then they're executing them well for the most part, except for the drops and stuff like that. But the, I would say the, the, the offensive coaching and how they're designing this offense, both in terms of, you know, the run game and the pass game and, you know, incorporating Castellanos' uh, legs as a threat. This is a very well-designed offense. It's significantly better than what, what it was last year. So, I think really this comes back to, again, like the defense is really the biggest problem on this team, honestly. All right. We'll be back to talk about that defense in just a moment. Now, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to your best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. All you need to do, you get that job, you get your, you're looking for people. Add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. With simple tools like screening questions, it makes it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This is Locked On BC, AJ Black here. And we're going to talk about this defense because it's been bad. And I think they got a bit of a a reprieve after holding Florida State relatively in check in certain areas. But it's been an issue all season long. We saw, you know, Holy Cross do whatever they wanted. They couldn't get off the field against NIU. And then in this game... It just felt like, especially because most of us were watching it from our couches, every time that Jack Plummer goes back to pass, he he launches it up, and there's a BC defender three yards behind Amari Higgins-Bruce or Jamari Thrash or whatever else uh, wide receiver they had. Um, it, was, it was a bad, bad, bad game, and it's become a bad trend for this team. And Mitch has some thoughts about this, so I wanted to bring him on again to talk about his thoughts on the speed of this defense and where he thinks it needs to go. So I think a big, big problem with this defense is just the general overall lack of speed at basically every position. Um, and I think it's that's it. it <laughs> no, it's a spe- just especially apparent at linebacker. Um, and part of the problem is, from what I'm seeing, a lot of these players are too locked into reading certain keys um and what i mean by that is there are plays where when you as a linebacker your assignment is essentially you're reading a certain the way the offensive line goes a certain backfield player is going because that's your assignment and 
different offenses are using different ways to essentially neutralize those defenders by just getting them completely out of position. And this is happening to Vinny De Palma and Cam Arnold, who are both veteran players, who I think t- in their defense, they are pretty much doing exactly what they're being coached to do. The problem is that BC's the opposing offenses are just out coaching them by getting them out of position. And we saw this on the long Jawar Jordan touchdown um, where, and there was, there was another play where they pulled both guards. And this was actually, it was an interesting play because it was, I think it was the first, it was early in the, in the second half, I think. And Louisville ran a toss sweep out to the right, but they pulled their right guard and right tackle to the left. And, De Palma and Arnold just went flying with the linemen and just no consideration for where the ball is actually going. And I, and again, I get guys are supposed to read their keys and they're doing the job like, right. But luckily this play only, it got stretched out to the boundary and um, I forget who made the tackle, but they only allowed, I think one, one yard, maybe two, but that, the, that play was indicative of where it's just like, guys are just getting pulled out of their gaps and where they just can't really make a play. And on the long Jawar Jordan touchdown, the first one, I mean, so Cam Arnold just – the players just aren't reading. And, again, maybe this is just me watching broadcasts, so I know where the ball is going and they don't, and they're reading certain keys. But there just doesn't seem to be this instinctive playmaking where they're reading the ball and going where it's going. And there was another play, and this is a very different example, but it's where – I think it was the Amari Bruce Huggins post-touchdown, not the one at the sideline, but the one over the middle of the field, where Cole Batson is playing. It's I think it's, it's cover one or cover three, but he's the deep middle safety. And – he is playing the deep middle, but he is just staring down Jack Plummer. And he is doing it so long that is that Huggins Bruce is able to get a step on him and just go right by him. And again, I think part of that is coaching. And part of this is, is about playing, playing assignment sound football. And when you don't do that, a lot of times that can lead to explosive plays. But I think BC is trying to be so assignment sound that that is getting them out of position and then they are being exposed to the lack of speed. And that on that play, Batson is just staring right down at the quarterback and he just misses the post coming, screaming right down, right at his face. And that's a big touchdown. I think that might've been the last touchdown of the game actually. So. So know, they're so stuck on scheme that they're not going on instinct. Basically. I, I think so. Like, I think guys are, I think, I think especially now where it's like this defense is struggling, they are so worried about, so worried about, you know, executing what the coaches are telling them that it's like, okay, I got to do this. And you're so locked into that, that you're kind of missing the forest for the trees. And again, I, I think I'm kind of thinking about this. And I'm wondering if this is just me being poisoned by broadcast film, which is not always the best um, for really evaluating what's going on in the field. But that the whole point about guys just being so locked into certain backfield motion and guys pulling and everything. I feel like if, if you look at a lot of the explosive plays BC has given up, it is because there is one or two guys that are just completely in the wrong place for where the play is actually going, they might be in the right place for what they're being coached. But at some point there needs to be a change where it, where, you know, everybody can still be right, but there isn't an explosive. Cause a lot of these explosive plays are not like, not like the kneel, the fake kneel down where it's like, there's this, it's a, it's a very unique play, a rare misdirection thing. It's like, these are relatively simple concepts. Like these are split zone where the wing tight end slices across the formation. Um, you know, these double pulling things where guys are just following the pullers and generally you follow the pullers because they are supposed to lead you where to where the run is usually going. So, you know, most of the time you are going to be right, but I'm kind of wish that some of these would be, some of these players would just be a little more patient, be like, you know, worry about the misdirection because that is really what's killing BC right now. Some of that simple misdirection stuff that is part and parcel to playing offensive football in this day and age. And it's just getting them completely out of position. They don't have the speed or athleticism to recover. 
yeah, I mean, so how much of this goes on to coaching though? Like can coaching fix this or. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's tough. Um, cause I, like, I'll, I'll be completely honest, like in terms of how, like how defense is specifically coached and especially like the front seven and run defense gap assignment, all that stuff. That's something that I'm still like learning about and I'm not as well versed in it. And I think there's a lot of ways teams do it. Um, and especially like this year, you know, not having the all 22 yet. That's new. Um, okay. I, I want to finish my point, but then I want to bring this guy up. Um, so I'm not sure if it's coaching. I think that's part of it. And I think I'm, not, I'm just not really sure what they can do because either, I don't, I think the guys they have behind the guys who are playing now are not going to be any better. Um, we saw, I got like CJ clink scales, get a lot of playing time and he got absolutely torched on that wheel route by Amari Huggins Bruce down the sideline. I saw um, Max Tucker was on the snap list. I didn't, I think that was at the end, the very end of the game. I remember, okay. I think I saw, saw his number. So I think some of those snap counts are gonna be inflated by the end of the game when everybody had kind of had backups in, but I know CJ clink scales played like meaningful snaps early in the game. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, I think that a lot of it, I think a good bit of it is coaching. And, and again, guys are executing their assignments kind of to the letter, but that is taking away room for improvisation. And then other teams are taking advantage of it, which I think, you know, I think this is kind of like, like what Halfley said in the post game, you know, he, this game wasn't necessarily about blown coverages. It wasn't about guys making mistakes in their assignments. It was about that, that Louisville's players were just beating them straight up. Um, you know, with speed, with whatever, you know, it wasn't necessarily like guys were like, Oh, you know, there were these routes, they pulled everybody away in the, in the back end, And then, mm-hmm. or somebody just like messed, you know, they had left their man to go do something else. And then that guy was wide open. Like these guys were open, but they were being covered. So, you know, it's just, that's, and then, so then that I think that still does come back to coaching where it's like, okay, these guys are not gonna be able to execute these assignments against opponents like this consistently without giving up explosive play. So we need to adjust our scheme and adjust what we're doing to, be more effective and put our guys in better positions. All right. I'm going to hold off on your, your rant. Cause I think it's a great third, um, third segment rant, but Mitch has some hot takes on what BC needs to do to kind of fix some things up and where he thinks Jeff Halfley should kind of lay the lay some rules down. And we'll get into that in just a moment. Now time for your game changer of the week brought to you by athletic brewing company, much like Thomas Castellanos, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. Thomas Agasolanos, four touchdowns this week. Again, with the defense, the way they played, it got overshadowed, but he was electric out there. You know, Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the game of non-alcoholic brewing. They have 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beers, including IPAs, Golden Sours, and more. They're constantly releasing limited edition experimental styles to add to their variety. Best part about this, no hangovers ever. So you can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at stores near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use promo code Locked On to get 15% off your first order. That's code Locked On at Locked On at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. Locked On BC, AJ Black here, and we're going to start a little Monday uh, feature here where we're going to do our post game hot takes and Mitch has a few that he wants to talk about. And I'm going to let, I'm going to give Mitch the floor here to tell me some of the things that he thinks should be happening. So number one is that it's time for Jaden Williams to redshirt. Um, 
he has played four games, so he's still eligible for it. I don't think he needs to play for the rest of the season, barring a lot of injuries, because whatever he is good at, which I think is deep speed, I guess, it is not. It is being completely nullified by everything else that he is bad at. Mm-hmm. He there were plays where he he dropped two passes, including a touchdown pass that hit him in the hands in the end zone. He is a pretty not a liability yet, but he is a non-factor at best on kick and punt returns. Um, he's he it seems like he has issues locating and feeling the ball, so he lets it bounce, and then the DC gets pinned back for a lot of lost yardage. Um, there was a play where BC was down inside the five and to the top of the screen, they had a stack formation where they had Jaden Williams at the top of the stack. And I think Ryan O'Keefe behind him and they had one defensive back over the two of them. Now, Castellanos made the right decision. He says, okay, I've got two guys versus one. I'm going to throw it out there. And Ryan O'Keefe just needs to get by this one guy who's being blocked and get a touchdown. Jaden Williams basically just let the, let the defender go right by him and tackle O'Keefe for a, a non-game. <laughs> I just don't understand when you have guys like, and maybe it's again, maybe it's just because guys are tired, but you have guys like Lewis Bond, Dino Tomlin, Ryan O'Keefe, even Joseph Griffin, who kind of got his act together in the second half of this game. Um, You have those guys who are playing well and contributing. And again, they have their mistakes. Everybody does. But I mean, whenever he is on the field and especially when he's targeted, Jane Williams is actively hurting this team. And I don't think, I, I don't know what is going on with him. You know, last year he, disappeared in the second half of the season we're not really sure why um but i i think and even in, the, in this in his freshman year he was hot to start the year and then was a non-factor down the down the stretch of the season i just don't think i think the other guys in this roster have earned the right to play over him and i just don't think he needs to be getting more snaps so i think i think you can at least redshirt him this year um you know and maybe you can save him for down the road my other I, sub go oh ahead. so i want to jump in on that too like you mentioned the pit, punt and kick return it, mine is more of I, I think it's the, the staff's philosophy on punt returns. It's maddening watching punt returns because no one feels anything. Like why? Like they send a guy back there just to wave off every every kick, and it goes ten to fifteen yards behind him every time. And I would just kill for them to have faith in one guy to stand back there, wave his arm in the air, and just fair catch pat, uh, punts. But they don't do it. And and for a coaching staff that preaches you know um you know uh flipping the field and all that stuff to let that just happen every single time there's a punt i mean you can count the times that they've actually fair caught it probably on one hand it's maddening and i don't I mean, know it, that is a lot of, i mean that that's hidden lost yardage you know i think right. i forget what drive it was but there was the drive where he let a ball go over his head and bc got pinned inside the five and they didn't yep. and again the game was pretty over by that point but that is hidden lost yardage where you are you are putting your offense behind the eight ball by sacrificing 10 to 15, even 20 yards on punt returns. By These guys are trained to catch those. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, like a guy like put like a guy like Dino Tomlin out there who has very sure hands seemingly, I know he had one drop in this game, but very sure hands and just tell him, Hey, find the ball and fair catch it just so we don't lose yards here. Uh, So yeah, I I agree with you there. All right. So go ahead to your second point. Sorry. Uh, My other one, my other one is Logan Taylor. Um, I thought he, I mean, going into this game, he was, has certainly been the weak link of this offensive line and he you, missed you most predicted of the that too. I mean, uh, the, pro- the thing with Logan Taylor is that I got, I, I totally understood why they brought him in and why he was intriguing because he does have very interesting athletic gifts, both like uh, as a mover and in terms of his physical strength. The problem is he is still just so technically raw that his hands and feet are just not 
up to snuff for, for what they need in a starting left tackle. Um, the, the first, I think it was Castellanos' first real sack where they had just hit a, just, just gotten a first down to Ryan O'Keefe. It was two, it was, it was two in the career reception. And on the next snap, he got long armed by Ashton Galati. He tried to chop that arm away, but then Galati just kind of spun away from him and sacked Castellanos in like two seconds sit from the mm-hmm. snap. And uh, Taylor was, he, I think he allowed eight pressures or something in this game. And just watching him, it's clearly just, I, he's just not confident in his hands and where to place them and when to strike. He is very timid with that from what I'm watching. And that's just, that's just what you can't have that at this point. And I, I, I think that they're doing okay by keeping Ozzy Peel at right tackle. Ideally he's still healthy. He did leave the game and Jack Conley replaced him. And to his credit, Jack Conley did not embarrass himself, which there was a lot of that last year. Um, so I think if you want to keep Trapeel on the right side, that's fine. Um, I think Jude Bowery acquitted himself pretty well against Florida State, so I would be very fine with putting him in there because, again, at this point, like Taylor is just an active detriment to this offensive line because of he's just his technique is just not where it needs to be to be a starting left tackle. And, and granted, again, the next month of opponents BC has, you know, they don't necessarily have those period pass rushers like they've had over the last two weeks, but that's just a major problem. And, and the, again, the rest of the offensive line for the most part, I didn't, this was not their best game um, from a pressure standpoint. I thought they, when they, when they did run the ball, I thought they did it decently well. The problem was the game was just out of hand too early for them to really focus on running the ball. Um, and again, giving up like a 50 plus a 50 plus percent pressure rate is so, like something from last year. Um, so that, that is concerning. And that was something that I was a little worried about going into this game. Cause like we have really haven't seen, well, Florida state, gave them some trouble at points, but I think they were kind of doing what I've suggested BC do against mobile quarterbacks is do the slow rush. So they don't allow Castellanos to completely get out of the pocket. Um, so that was part of why I think you didn't see Florida state absolutely kill them in the pass rush situations. Um, but yeah, that's another personal change. Um, I've talked about John pupil. Um, you know, I just, again, the lack of speed. Um, there was one play, I think it was, it was the first drive for the defense where, um, they sent him on a blitz and he like, it was funny because they were doing some signal, which the signal is him like, like pounding his chest with one fist, kind of like the scene from Wolf of Wall Street with Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does that. And that's like a signal with the rest of the defense. So he does that, but then he like blitzes and just dives and completely whiffs on the tackle. So it's just this very funny image of him, like thumping his chest and then <laughs> diving and missing the tackle. But, you know, we saw Victor Nelson get in a little bit in this game and he had, there was a play where he, uh, I think it was one, it was, I think it was Jamari Thrash touchdown that he got beat on. Um, but although I think it was mostly on Amari Jackson at a really rough game. And that was very disappointing for me as somebody who I, I think, I, do, I still think Amari Jackson can be good, but this was a very rough game for him. Um, trying to think of other personal, I mean, I, I'm, I am very concerned about Donovan Ezraku at this point because he is really just doing nothing. Yeah, he had I, no mean, ta- I think he had no tackles in this game. Yeah, and I, I, watching back, I did see some kind of pressures, but man, I mean, it's it's remarkable just how much he has fallen off since last year, just because he is just a non-factor. Uh, but and really, both in run defense and pass pass rush, like and run defense is really his calling card before. So I really don't know what's going on there. Um, trying to think of other personals i mean it's good to see pat garbo back um he got some carries late in the game so you know again bc is a pretty solid rotation of backs you saw all of them have success against louisville um luckily i, I think for all things involving this team they do this is a, a very good time for them to face virginia who is honestly a pretty similar team but 
probably worse. Um, I was looking at the game on paper preview of, Oh, do I not have it pulled up? Um, I'll see if I can find it, but the game on paper preview for that game is pretty like, if we think BC has been performing poorly, um, which is yeah. And and luckily, and Virginia has been, been in most of their games. You know, they almost took down NC state, if not for some stop me when you heard this before stupid penalties. Um, but looking at their game on paper. So, so this is Virginia against the run in their EPA per play. So EPA per rush, they are 121st. In success rate against the run, they are 128th. Their success rate against the pass is 123rd, and EPA per pass is 123rd as well. Uh, their offense is not much better. Uh, when rushing, they have a 30.8% success rate, which is 127th. Passing, they are better because Anthony Calandria is... Uh, <laughs> I mean, if nothing else, Anthony Calandria is a lot of fun. Um, I think he's a lot more fun than Tony Musket would have been, despite the name. Um, like he is, he's going to chuck it, and you know, once the ball is in the air, it's it's up to God what happens because he, sometimes it's touchdowns, sometimes it's a it's a really bad pick. But um, you know, and, and BC, you know, to the credit, when BC rushes, they have a forty four point nine percent success rate when rushing, which is forty first, and they average. 0.25 EPA per play, and that's seventh in the country. So essentially, BC is getting a quarter of a point every time they run the ball. Um, All right, and pat- yeah. So I, I think B- this is a good time for BC to at least get right for the next month of the season. Yep. Um, you know, fix some of the things that have really been plaguing them both sides of the ball. Uh, but again, they got to go out and do it, and that's what it'll come down to. So one last thing, and we're gonna have a little fun segment here, which is. Uh, what do our commenters think should be a uh, the the next coach of BC? And I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you a, a name. Like yesterday, who was who did we get as options? Les Miles, Les Miles and Irvin, and uh, um, Pat Fitzgerald. <laughs> I've been so, tracking these. I've been tracking these comments from our resident troll. Who I'm not. Sh- I, I I will never be convinced is a real person and is some AI generated bot. Okay, so no, here Miles. I'll read it to you, and then yeah, you react, Mitch. Hey, AJ, I know yesterday you said hiring Les Miles or Pat Fitz would be a death penalty for BC. What about Urban, <laughs> Urban Meyer, Will, Willie Taggart, Justin Fuente, or Brock Brockman? I, I, okay, it takes me so, a lot to get me to laugh. but <laughs> So Urban Meyer, a guy who had arguably the worst uh, – actually, no, not even – no, because of Nathaniel Hackett, but a bottom five NFL head coaching tenure, and sure – he had national contenders everywhere he's been in college, uh, but he's clearly a very non-likable person, and um, we don't really want to get into his off-the-field activities. Willie Taggart uh, famously ran Florida State into the dirt and was a terrible coach. Uh, Justin Fuente ran Virginia Tech into the dirt and was a bad coach. And Bronco Mendenhall, who I think Bronco Mendenhall would be a very good hire. The problem is he left Virginia because he was burnt out from coaching, and he's an older coach. So I think he is very happily enjoying retirement right now. All right. Our second group. What if BC hires Dave Cutcliffe or Scott Schaefer or Jeff Collins or Rod Carey? Yeah. Dave Cutcliffe uh, again, old and I think is very happy in retirement. Scott Schaefer, the Syracuse coach who did nothing. (laughs) Jeff Collins, who ran out, was ran out of Georgia tech for not being able to do anything with that program. And his team got actively better when he was fired last year. And Rod Carey, who was fired from temple, for being a bad coach. So, I mean, I don't really know what we're doing here again. And this, this is proof that this person is, must be trolling. What about Mal Tucker? Yeah. (laughs) The guy who has just been uh, fired for cause for improper off. I mean, 
what if, if we want to reinvigorate BC's image as a football program, I don't think hiring guys who are very bad and granted, you know, college coaches are not, don't exactly give us track record for off the field behaviors, but so we just hire a guy that's going to tank the reputation of the program off the field as well as possibly on the field. Um, and of course there's a later comment that Peter Cruz says he is not a bot. Um, then stop just suggesting names that don't make any sense. <laughs> okay. Um, and oh, K23 here, here's one that does make sense. Bob Chesney for head coach. We'll leave it at that. Yep. And we're not talking about, you know, we're not there in terms of uh, who we're going to talk about if Halfley was ever fired, but I could tell you Bob Chesney will be on our list. So this is AJ black. We'll be back again tomorrow to talk more. Uh, we'll get into more about the Virginia game. Uh, just discuss anything else going on in the world of college sports. Tuesday is going to be the release of the ACC basketball schedule. We'll get into that. Um, and we'll have more as we go along this week, Mitch, where can people find you? You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E on Twitter. I'll be having my game rewatch articles out over the next few days, and then we'll get I'm on gonna to pray for you, Mitch. <laughs> and then we'll get on to uh, previewing Virginia, which uh, I'm I'm honestly very excited for the Virginia game because I, I really think BC has a good chance to win this game and uh, get it together for the rest, for at least the next month of the season. All right, this is AJ Black. Thank you all for joining us tonight, and we'll be seeing you all again. Make sure to like this video if you have not done so already, and we'll see you all again soon. Take care, everyone. You are locked on.